since becoming a business owner and working for myself, I have much less stress in my life. Um, I have more time to think about taking care of myself. Please share, we can do better. I don't believe in the rigid 9 to 5, 40 hour work week. Life is short and people spend way too much of it working. You deserve more time to do the things that light you up so you can show up in the world as the best version of yourself. The Pretty Sure We Can Do Better podcast will explore all the ways you can create more freedom and flexibility in your life so you will feel less stressed and more empowered to make a difference in the world. The world needs you to be happier. The world needs you to feel more fulfilled. The world needs you to smile more, and I know we can get you there. Each week, we will hear from people who are doing this well. We will gain insights into how they are creating the life they've always wanted. I'm your host, Angie Cazares, and together, I'm pretty sure we can do better. You guys, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest this week, Sarah Bradbury. Sarah, this earlier this year, she stepped out of her job and into her own nonprofit consulting business, Sarah Writes Grants. So if you had been thinking about starting a business of your own, this is definitely the episode for you. Sarah gives tips on how to get started and her journey and just proves that you can take the skills that you already have and the passions that you already have and you can turn them into a thriving business of your own and still have time to do all the things that you enjoy, and even more time to do the things that you enjoy. So I won't ramble on any longer. Let's dive into the interview. Here's Sarah Bradbury. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Angie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited for this journey that you're on. This is a fairly new development for you, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. So I started my business, Sarah Wright's Grants, at the beginning of 2020. Awesome. Well, yeah, so I want to jump right in so everybody can get to know you a little bit. And so just tell us about your day-to-day life now, what it looks like, what you're up to, and then we can kind of backtrack. Sure. Um, So I am a full-time fundraising and grant writing consultant with my business, Sarah Wright's Grants. And so what I do is I work with nonprofit organizations and schools and other organizations that um, need to find funding to do their community-based missions. Um, I spent about 15 years in nonprofit management type roles, first in direct service and then in fundraising roles. And, um, you know, within the past month, six months or so have really decided that I wanted to build, you know, my own business, um, that allows me to set my own schedule and, um, just have the freedom to really enjoy my life while I'm still doing, um, a lot of the things that I love to do at work. Awesome. Yes. So what made you decide, what was the very first thing that kind of, was it like a moment where you realized, oh my gosh, I want to do my own thing or what was kind of the process to, get you to realize that this is something you wanted to explore? Yeah. So from a really early age, I knew that I wanted to have a career that was focused on writing. Um, I was constantly reading and writing. That's still true today. Um, I have really intense like diaries and journals from elementary school all the way onward. And I just know that, you know, I'm happiest when I'm writing. And so 
you know, I've had the desire for a long time too to kind of live into that phrase that um, people are posting a lot of. Sometimes you hear it different places, but it's, you know, be who you needed when you were younger. And so my career and volunteer work and all of my personal passions have kind of focused for the most part on youth development and a lot of the related systems that provide kids with what they need in order to grow up healthy and reach their fullest potentials. Um, and so my undergraduate degrees in sociology, which I think lent a lot to how I think about the world, but when I pursued that degree, I didn't necessarily know what kind of career I would have. Um, you know, I'm thinking a lot about all the time how people interact in society and kind of what we need to do to make it a better place. And, um, you know, I did a lot of direct service early in my career in both juvenile justice and child welfare. Um, and that kind of led into my pursuit of a master's degree in nonprofit management. Um, and I noticed that there were a lot of people who were really, really passionate about, you know, their causes and things in the community, but they kind of lacked um, the knowledge or the desire to do things that are, some people think are boring, like financial management or raising money, writing grants. And um, that's kind of really where my fundraising career was born. And, yeah. um, you know, I get really great joy in putting together the pieces of a puzzle that are grants. Um, but I know that there's lots of people who don't enjoy that. And so one of the most exciting things for me is getting to do something that's taking work off of somebody else's plate and they feel a sense of relief <laughs> because I'm doing something that they really would rather not be doing. Yeah. I mean, and talk about that is the essential work of the nonprofit sector, what you are doing. <laughs> and you're right. No, there are so many people who are just like fundraising. No grant writing. No. So that's super cool that you have taken this on and now you're doing it completely on your own time. And uh, you know, you control your schedule. Yeah. Which is super cool. And I know when we had talked uh, before um, in prior conversations, you mentioned, so it was interesting kind of your, you had a spectrum of work experiences in the nonprofit sector, just as far as workplace culture. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and the differences and sort of what made you take this step? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was really lucky because I worked for an intermediary organization for about five years that um, I absolutely loved my job. Um, I got to work on some really complex projects and grants. Um, I was super interested in like the data and analysis. And because of that job, you know, I learned a ton about how to analyze trends and figure out how to support a story with numbers and um, worked on a really great team. Um, but that environment eventually became in incompatible with all of the good that I wanted to do in the world outside of work. And so at that time, um, I was a licensed foster parent um, doing kinship care for two younger kids, um, one who had some pretty significant special needs. And I needed a lot of flexibility in my schedule to make sure that um, he was able to get what he needed. And um, as a lot of other special needs parents know, um, there were a ton of therapy appointments and other services that, you know, needed to be set up and um, there are waiting lists. And sometimes when you get off those waiting lists, you just gotta, you gotta go that day to the appointment. Um, and he also couldn't attend neurotypical daycare or just go to any babysitter. And so uh, 
you know, I really struggled at the time to find um, childcare for him. And so when I needed that flexibility, it became clear to me that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to get that and get promoted to the level that I thought I wanted to be at in that organization. Um, sure. I I was managing a team and trying to work really long hours to achieve more of what I thought was um, success. And I ultimately in that situation chose family. And sadly for me, that particular family ended in divorce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think some of the reasons, and there were many, but some of them had to do with that lack of flexibility that I had and um, the extreme focus that I was placing on you know, my career and just trying to be traditionally what we think of as successful. Um, sure. I still grieve that even though it's been, it's been a few years. Um, yeah. And I spent probably a really grueling uh, six months of, of healing and putting myself back together that I don't, you know, wish on anybody. But, you know, after doing all of that work on myself, um, I took a job that I thought was right for me and it was kind of, uh, reentering the workforce and, and getting everything back together. And, and ultimately, you know, it, it wasn't the right job, especially for organizational culture reasons. And I really had to decide what I wanted to do. You know, I could try to stay and make it work and make myself kind of fit into this organizational culture that I felt like I just didn't fit into. Um, or, you know, I could leave and, and try to find something else that was acceptable, or I could focus on, myself. And that's when I started to think about what would it look like to do consulting? You know, what would it look like to work for myself? And um, I was really fortunate that I still had some really great connections that I made at um, the job that I loved. And they were able to refer me to my very first clients for Sarah Wright's grants. That's so exciting. It was, it was really exciting. Never underestimate the power of your network. Absolutely. And <laughs> never burn those bridges. And yeah, I mean, I think so many people are afraid to ask for help. And when they're starting something new, when they're trying to gain, you know, the freedom or flexibility that they want, they're, they're just, they feel like, I don't know, either they won't be supported or nobody will really understand. Everybody's going to think they're crazy. Do you, so who, when, when you kind of decided this, who did you talk to about it? Who, what was the first step for you? Yeah. So like I said, um, <clears throat> I really did a lot of networking very quickly when I started considering it. And some of my former colleagues and supervisors were the ones that were super instrumental in making connections and referrals uh, for me. You know, a lot of those people, when I met with them, I think that I was expecting I don't really know what I was expecting, but so many of them said, you know, I'm so excited for you and I was waiting for you to do this someday. And I was wondering when this was going to happen. And it was, it was an amazing reception, I think, to put myself out there and to have so many people be supportive because that's not necessarily what I expected. Um, yeah. Why, why not? Well, I think, you know, and, and this is kind of, you know, maybe something we'll talk about later, but you know, some of the obstacles that I think I face are sort of those things that are our own inner demons. You know, it's, it's, it's that self doubt. It's that imposter syndrome, those things that you think like you're not as good as you really are. And so having that affirmation really from people who 
worked with me and knew my work and, and felt good enough about what I had done with them in the past to refer me to other people was, was amazing. Yeah. That was a really great feeling. That's um, awesome. I was also really, really fortunate to have enrolled in a program called Advancing Indie Women, which um, is a partnership between Linking Indie Women and the Kelly School of Business at IUPUI. And my mentor from the program really encouraged me to focus on myself and what I really wanted. And um, that's kind of how Sarah Wright's Grants was born. Um, she really helped me to see my career more like a jungle gym instead of a ladder. You know, I think I had it burned into my head that I was going to be a nonprofit CEO and, you know, maybe I still will do that someday, but if yeah. I decide to do it, it's going to be because I want to and not because I think that I have to in order to be taken seriously or to be valuable, you know, to myself or other people. Um, I think I know now that, you know, success can look like a lot of different things, but I don't think it's really success unless you're, you're happy with it. Right. Um, I think a lot of yeah. people I said that I was successful a few years ago when I, um, had the job that I, that I did, but, um, underneath it all is really unhappy. And mm -hmm. so I think that kind of contributes to that feeling of imposter syndrome or whatever, if there's a disconnect between what you're doing in the world and what you're presenting and then how you're really feeling. I think that, um, is part of what made me seek out the opportunity that I have now is to bring those things more into balance. You know, I want to be happy with the work I'm doing and I want to be happy with the life that I have. Um, 100% that I could not agree with that more. It is so important to just, yeah, have alignment, right. With what you want to do. And, and sometimes that's, what's interesting. I think about this path of creating more freedom and flexibility in your life is that you have to kind of make sacrifices. Maybe it's money, right? Maybe it's, I had a higher salary and I'm going to step out and do this other thing where it's not certain what my salary is going to be. It's a lot less stable, but if you're fulfilled, if you're feeling fulfilled, if you're, you know, in other areas of your life feeling happier, then it's, then that makes all the difference. I think it's just defining what that is for you, right? As a first step, just what is going to make me happy? What do I actually really need? Where do I want to focus my time and energy? And then going from there. So that's really awesome. Absolutely. And I think I owe a lot to my partner now, who is someone who is just an incredibly supportive person and, you know, provides this really strong back bone of just love and friendship and kind of studies my boat when I'm in encountering things that are hard. You know, we've, we've had this motto that we say to each other, um, almost since we met of we help each other. And I think that's kind of one of the most wonderful things that I could ask for in life. And, you know, when I told him that I was quitting my job to work for myself, um, you know, pretty much all he said was okay. And basically as long as the, you know, I could show that I'm going to bring in, you know, enough money to, to pay the bills. Um, he was behind me a hundred percent. And you know, it was funny because the only thing he asked me was, well, what does grant writing actually pay? <laughs> like, is this something you can really make? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Because, you know, knowing nonprofits, he's probably like, well, I know nonprofit people don't usually make a lot of money. So, <laughs> yeah. which actually is a question that I have. What are you doing about insurance? <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, I, I buy my, I bought my own insurance on the exchange. Um, I actually have accounted for that in, you know, the, the rates that I set when I work with my clients and things like that, you know, what I had to learn, and this is a little bit technical, but I think it's good advice for anybody who owns a business. You know, you have to think about not only what is my time worth on this project that I'm doing, but also, what kinds of administrative things, whether it's insurance or, you know, the billing that I'm doing or the time that I'm spending marketing myself, you know, I need to not do that for free. I need to be able to get paid for that as well, because that's how I sustain my business. And so it's important to think about, you know, what percentage can you put on top of, of your rates to really cover those things that, that you need. Absolutely. Yeah. You really have to think about that, which can be an intimidating thing when you go to set a price for your service and you're like oh my gosh is anybody ever gonna pay me this but it's something yeah I mean you're not you don't have a company anymore that's gonna pay your insurance especially in the states if you're fortunate enough to live in another place where that's not as big of an issue um but here yeah it's definitely something you have to think about so you were able to get something pretty reasonable though on the on the marketplace yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's as good as maybe what I had with an employer, but, um, you know, I think it's it's good for now, and I think, you know, we'll see how my family structure and relationship eventually changes, um, or how our country changes, right? <laughs> hopefully, um, without getting super political, um, hopefully our country uh, will change in a way that will be more supportive of people who are small business owners and people just in general in the world that are trying to um, live their lives. I think it, one thing that I can say that's, I guess, related to insurance is that since becoming a business owner and working for myself, I have much less stress in my life. Um, I have more time to think about taking care of myself. And, um, you know, I have several different kind of recurring health conditions, one of them being celiac disease. And so um, just, you know, thinking about what I'm eating and um, being able to go shopping for the foods that I want to shop for and just spending time, you know, outside or doing whatever we can, right, during <laughs> during a pandemic to stay healthy. But um, I think those opportunities too are really great because I think we undervalue or don't realize sometimes how much some of that toxic stress can take on you. So whether you're commuting or you're spending a lot of time away from your family or you're dealing with um, a toxic work environment or, or coworkers who you, you don't like, or, you know, just things like that, that can raise your stress levels when you're not yeah. dealing with any of that, <laughs> um, you, you feel a lot healthier. For sure. So how would you say you sort of structure your day? So how have you found that? Uh, I mean, because being a small business owner can be extremely stressful in its own right. So how have you managed to so far make sure you're not uh, overworking yourself and getting stressed? Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that I had to do rather quickly uh, was get clear on the type of clients that I wanted to take and the type of projects that I wanted to engage in. Um, you know, I think at first I was so worried about stability and making enough money that I thought, well, I just, I have to sign any clients that come my way. I have to be willing to do whatever projects are out there. And so for me, I've realized 
there's a lot more work out there, especially in the nonprofit sector. And this isn't going to apply to everyone who owns a small business, but in the nonprofit sector, there's a lot more work out there than can be done by one person. Um, you know, especially where I live in Indianapolis. And so it's okay to, um, you know, I have a really strong network, I feel like of other consultants and colleagues and friends who do similar work. And so um, if there's something that's kind of outside of my zone, something that I don't do and something that I'm not interested in taking on as a project, I have other people that I can call and say, you know, hey, I know someone that would be really great for, for your needs. Um, so one of those is, is putting down boundaries and not coming at something from a scarcity mindset of like, I got to work with everybody and I got to do everything. Um, I think the other piece is, you know, not pushing yourself to compete with everything that you see on social media. You know, there are so many people out there that are giving tips, like, you know, you have to have professionally styled photo shoots and you have to create online courses and you have to have a podcast and you have to have this. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, misinformation that's out there. It's almost like if you work for yourself, you also have to become a social media influencer. <laughs> and I don't mm. necessarily think that's true. Um, sure. Yeah. You can have a good small business just with the network that you have and the marketing that you're doing. And, you know, certainly I wouldn't say you you don't have to market yourself because you do, but you also don't need to worry that you need to have all of this fancy equipment and all of these things. You know, when I started my business, I purchased um, a new computer because I really needed one. Yeah. Um, and then I purchased a couple of uh, subscriptions just to software programs that I knew that I would need. Um, but beyond that, I haven't found it necessary to, um, really go out and spend a lot of money on some of those extras, you know, maybe at some point I will feel the need to do that. But, um, right now I've really thought about what's core and essential. Um, and so not stressing about, I guess, doing everything at the same time. Um, and one thing that I didn't do at the beginning of my business that, um, I have begun to do now and the experts would not tell you to do it this way, but like, um, having a business plan, having a written business plan of what your goals are and the types of clients you want to reach and, you know, milestones that would set you up for financial success. Um, because I set up my business in kind of a hurry and just started taking clients. I didn't really think about it strategically at the, at the beginning, but now I've started to do that a little bit and I've just put in some, some guiding principles about what kinds of clients I want to work with. And, um, that's really important to me as someone who's in the, the community and nonprofit space is to just get clear on, you know, what types of, of missions I'm comfortable fundraising for. And yeah, that's awesome. I love it. You just, I mean, I feel like in your situation, you just kind of jumped in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, you know, slowly laying the groundwork and, you know, taking that step, you were just in a situation where you're like, okay, I am doing this and I'm going to make it work, which sometimes is what you need to just get it done, right? You don't have to overthink it. It's not this perfectionist. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to overthink everything. It's just like, you're in a situation and you're like, okay, I have to get this done. <laughs> I'm going to just do it. So that yeah. probably maybe worked to your advantage as well. One of the things that I did during quarantine was I joined um, two different pandemic book clubs. I loved the first one so much that um, I joined a second one. But in the first one, we read Everything is Figureoutable. And one yeah. of the 
things that, you know, Marie says in that book is start before you're ready. Mm-hmm. And that is, is just a really good key piece of advice is, you know, if you're always waiting until you're completely a hundred percent ready, you're never going to get started. Uh, you're right. never going to launch your business. Um, yep. And so, you know, do I necessarily recommend, you know, quitting your job and just going out there and starting your business? I think that's different for everybody. And you have to think about where you are in life and where your family is in life and, you know, how that's going to impact people. But, you know, don't let yourself just get in your own head and start thinking about all the reasons why you shouldn't do something. You know, right. I think it's too easy for us to do is to, to get in your head and say, oh, well, you know, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money or, you know, my, somebody is going to say something about it or tell me that I'm not good enough. You know, I mean, there's, there's a million reasons that you can put in your own head. Oh yeah. Um, and so it's, it's good to get yourself out of that space and, and just say, no, I, I am good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it's true. You're killing it. Thank you. <laughs> So is there anything, I mean, I know you talked about a little bit of like imposter syndrome and things like that, but anything else, um, as far as obstacles that you have encountered along the way? Sure. Um, I think that other than imposter syndrome, you know, I, I come off really confident, especially when I'm selling my services to clients because you need to. Um, but really I'm usually shaking in my boots just like everybody else is. And I think it's really important to be vulnerable and, um, you know, just to take that bet on yourself. Um, sometimes that's difficult to, to bet on yourself. And it's, it's hard when you treat yourself like you're a risky bet. And it's important to be nicer to yourself. And um, one of the lessons that I learned from my other book club where we were reading Brene Brown um, is one of the tips that she gives that I think is an invaluable is uh, try to say the story I'm telling myself is... And when you do that, you can get yourself some objective distance from whatever it is, you know? And so you can say, well, you know, the story I'm telling myself is that I don't have enough experience to do this. Or the story I'm telling myself is I am not worth this amount of money. Or the story I'm telling myself is nobody's going to be interested in what I have to offer. And most of the time, that's not true. Um, so, you know, trying to get some objective distance because, you know, once you realize that you can make up some pretty absurd things about yourself, um, it can be really freeing when you decide that you're not going to listen to that anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And, and also to have those, you know, trusted people in your life. Um, you know, I talked about the people who were supportive, but, you know, I certainly had some people who rightfully asked me some critical questions. And it's really important that you trust the people that you're looking for that critical advice from. You know, you can't just listen to people who are um, going to be naysayers, but you do need those, those critical, you know, friends and family who are going to ask you sort of those critical thinking questions of, you know, have you thought through what you're going to do when, or if this happens, what's your plan? You know, sure. kind of letting those people um, talk you through it in a way that is, is positive, but also gets you to make sure that you're thinking. And, um, you know, again, that's where some of that advice to really write your business plan down and, and plan some things out yeah. probably is, is better for, for most people than, um, what I did. But if I had stopped to write all that stuff down, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have done it. So, yeah. I mean, and you don't need to know necessarily what you're doing 
five years down the road, you just need to know, you know, maybe a few months, like, let's start there. Where, where do I want to be in three months? What do I need? And then go backwards from there as far as having a plan just to get going. Well, I I think that's part of, you know, why, what you do is so important, right? Because some of us are lucky to have people in our lives who, who can keep us accountable and can, you know, help focus us or ask us how things are going. But I think there are also um, really valuable experiences that you can have from someone who um, is your coach or your mentor or somebody kind of outside of sure. someone who's personally invested in something. Cause you know, like I said, my partner is, is a wonderful person, but at the end of the day, he's financially invested in, in our family and um, our living situation and all yeah. of that, right? So it's helpful to have, you know, whether, like I said, whether it's a, a coach that you specifically pay for, or you're just a mentor that you have, you know, somebody who's not emotionally or financially invested in what you're doing to kind of help you keep accountable and on track. Absolutely. It's a huge help. And like I said, don't, don't be afraid to ask for it either. I have asked so many people questions about starting this podcast because I have no idea what I'm doing at the beginning, but Hey, we're just going with it. We're just doing it, putting it out there. You're just doing it. Well, and you know, you can learn a lot from what you're doing as well. I mean, there have been projects already that I have done where I have estimated the amount of time that something was going to take, or, you know, I predicted that a client was going to react a certain way and they reacted a different way. And so as you're going through what you're doing, it's okay to refine your business model and the services that you offer. I mean, there was even a project that I have worked on so far that I have said, wow, that was that was a lot of specific work on a particular type of project that, you know, has made me step back and say, if I'm going to do that type of project again, here's the time frame I really need, or, you know, maybe if I'm in a place to, I might refer it out. Um, so sometimes what you think that you're going to do at the beginning can kind of change over time, or you can check in and, and say, like, is this really working for me? Is this really making me happy? And, and if not, you know, make, make changes to your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to learn if you're not taking the action though. That's the biggest thing. So let's say I am listening to this sitting in my office right now or doing work and I'm not happy with either my career or maybe the amount of time I have to work. What would be the best first step you would say somebody should, should take to, I I don't know, maybe like just even making their immediate life better. (laughs) Yeah. I think part of it is getting really clear on what is going to make you happy. Cause I think that a lot of us would say, Oh, well, if I had a flexible schedule or if I had more time, that would make you happy. And that's true. But the question is how, you know, how would you spend that extra time? If you say that extra time is going to make me happy, is that because you're going to spend extra time with your kids? Does that mean that you're going to have more time to volunteer, to read, to do something that, you know, to, to work out, to be healthy? I mean, you know, get really super clear on what it would mean to you to have that flexibility and that, that time and that different environment. Because, you know, sometimes what you're craving or what you're looking for or what's, you know, what would really make you happy can't just be solved by leaving a workplace. Sure. 
think, um, you know, I have learned that and I think a, a lot of people have learned that and it's not necessarily that I've left a workplace that's made me that much happier, but it's what I've done with the time instead. And so, you know, I would say that, and then I would say, you know, what would you be really happy to do for others? You know, because you still, even when you work for yourself, um, just because you don't have a supervisor or you don't have coworkers, you will have people that are your clients, your customers, you know, whatever, whatever you call them, you're going to have people that you are involved with to a certain extent who will be giving you requests and feedback and um, sometimes they're going to be really happy and sometimes they're not going to be happy and um, there's nobody else for you to lean on besides you if you start a business yourself, right? So you don't have anyone to refer them to. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, get really clear about the, the reasons why you're not happy in your current environment, you know, is it because your environment is really high conflict or is it because, you know, there's lots of red tape for you to get something approved? Is it because, you know, you, you lack the ability to be as creative as you want to be, you know, just try to figure out what are some of those, those reasons and then try to think about, will that show up some way if I'm working for myself? And if it does, you know, what's, what's my strategy to get through that? What's my, my way to make sure that the same kinds of issues that are, are making me unhappy in an office environment won't make me unhappy as a business owner. Um, because it's it's not like you just leave your nine to five and then you, uh, get to be at home and just hang out all day and you, you, we'd all be happy, right? If we could all just like Netflix and chill all day. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's a really good point because getting super clear is also going to serve you as your motivation, right? I mean, it's knowing why you want this, how you're going to spend your time and getting as clear about that as you can. That's what's going to motivate you to start taking those actual action steps and being able to remind yourself about that every day too. Like, what do you do in the morning? Like wake up and remind yourself about that exact specific why that you want this. Um, so yeah, that's perfect advice. I say, (laughs) um, well, yeah, is there anything else? I think this has been super informative and helpful. Yeah. I think I would just say, you know, if you are, if you are questioning whether, you know, being a business owner is the right thing for you or leaving that nine to five is the right thing for you, um, you know, ask other people, lean on your network, make sure that, you know, you're, you're nurturing those connections, whether you're ready to leave right now, or you're thinking that you want to leave in the future, you know, make sure you're nurturing that network, make sure that you're getting really clear on what your passions are. And, and like you said, what kind of gets you up in the morning and gets you, you out of bed and, um, and then just, you know, having fun, like, like realizing when you get there, there is that opportunity to, to have fun and enjoy some of the things that you've wanted to do. You know, um, I've been really fortunate because, uh, my partner has had a really kind of odd work schedule for quarantine, (laughs) um, in that he's been doing two weeks on and two weeks off. And that means that we've been able to have his kids with us for two week stretches. um, Oh, nice everything started. And, um, so we've, we've been able to spend a lot of time with them and, you know, being a small business owner, like 
I can decide that I'm leaving in the middle of the week if I want to, or, you know, we went, um, we went tubing the other day, like we just went and hung out on the river and, you know, there's just things that, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that without a lot of planning and forethought in, um, a job. And it's, and it's not so much like you can just pick up and leave if you're a small business owner, but you can carve out that time for yourself. And there's nobody that can tell you that you can't do it or it's not approved or you got to do something else. Right. You know, you have that, you have the ability to make it work for you. Yeah. Um, So you can take off in the middle of the day and work at 2 a.m. if you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I do, right? Like sometimes my best writing happens, happens in the evening or happens at night or, you know, for me, um, a lot of the projects that I work on, you can get them done in a, in a certain amount of time. And it's okay if you have two extra hours in your day to do something that you want to, you know, it's given me the freedom um, to volunteer lately with um, the bail project and to look at some other opportunities to volunteer where I wouldn't have had that with a, with a regular employer. And, yeah. and it's all right to say, you know what, I've, I've worked for five or six hours today, or maybe it's two, two or three hours today. Right. And the rest of the day is going to be devoted to something um, that I want to do that fills up my cup and makes me, you know, a better um, business owner. It makes me a better family member. It makes me a better friend. Yes. Uh, makes me a better person. Right. So, you know, spending that time having fun and, and doing things that, that fill up your own cup, I think will only lead you to be a better business owner at, really at the end of it. I love that. That's awesome. Well, where can we find you and connect with you if anybody wants to, you know, follow your journey on social media or yeah, just connect. Sure. So you can find me um, at sarahwritesgrants.com um, or at sarahwritesgrants on Instagram and Facebook. And then on Twitter, um, I have a little bit of a different handle just because that doesn't fit um, on Twitter, but on Twitter, it's at sbwritesgrants. So okay. follow me on, on all of those places. And you know, and I'm always open to, you know, consultations with nonprofit organizations and people that are, are looking to raise money. You know, I try to, um, do a good balance of giving people advice and, um, you know, offering obviously my full services for people as well as, um, some things that are available for smaller organizations as well. So I do some, some services for organizations that have really small budgets. Um, so that's nice. Something I would say to my nonprofit clients and nonprofiteers out there is that, um, you know, sometimes grant writing isn't as expensive as you think it is. And um, if that would help take something off your plate, you know, give a, give a grant writer a call. (laughs) Absolutely. You're needed. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with us. You're awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode. If anything in the show is resonating with you, please share and leave a rating and review so other people can find the show. You can find any links mentioned in the show notes at accountabilitybuddyforhire.com in the podcast section. And I would absolutely love to connect with you personally. Reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at accountabilitybuddyforhire and let me know what questions or thoughts you have about creating your life of freedom and flexibility. And please join our Facebook group. Just search the Pretty Sure We Can Do Better podcast. I want us to create a community to share resources and support each other on our journeys. 
Thanks for being you and wanting more for your life. And I'll see you next week.